0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. About this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison
1: Yeah, It's good to be back, <laughs> unexpectedly. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Trent. Uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Hills Baptist. Um, and yeah, there's a challenging situation this morning. Um, from a staff situation, obviously, uh, Leona is a, uh, one of our full-time pastors, and um, her father suddenly passing away yesterday um, is just an indication, I guess, of... Mortality and the, the facts of this life. Um, but thankfully, um, her dad was a, was dedicated to a life with Jesus. And so he hasn't uh, gone into, uh, uh, into anything which we fear, but instead has walked into eternity. Such is the promise of the Lord, that we will walk with him in eternity. And so as of that, Dave is preaching at Verdun this morning and looking after the family before they leave. As he should. (laughs) Um, And so, us as a leadership, we're just really trying to protect and honour and care for our staff team. Um, And so, I'm coming along this morning. Um, Yeah, so Leona will be away for four weeks. She's gone to Germany. She's flying out. Um, And so, we'll be adjusting and shifting some things in that stead. Um, Also, over at Allgate, Lauren, um, who's been their kids' ministry person, has just finished up. And so, you know, that's a, a a significant move in in our in our church family um, there is lots going on um, so this morning I'm not going to be doing a whole like Dave 45 minute sermon uh, <laughs> definitely not doing that on on one day's preparation uh, I'm going to be doing more of a homily and I'm going to be asking us as I think is appropriate from the text it's to be led into prayer uh, particularly with the surrounding situations so with that let me pray Lord, we come here this morning acknowledging our weakness, my weakness, Lord, that you are God and we are not. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, that you will be moving amongst us, that my words, whatever has come together, Lord, that will become your words to us, that i would get out the way and that your word would shine into our hearts. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me start you off with a story. When I was 13, 14, my dad, um, who uh, was a principal, um, had long service leave. He, he worked there for a long time, and he went on sabbatical. And because I'm the youngest kid, I was lucky enough to go with him, um, and to the jealousy of my sisters. Um, and so I went uh, on, on basically a world tour. We went to Egypt. We went to Israel, which was amazing, a whole different story. We also went to Canada. Went to Vancouver for, yeah, I mean, I love Canada. I'm wearing uh, Toronto rafters this morning. Um, and as part of that, we spent, uh, we spent, my, my parents spent uh, time in, in the university there studying. And instead of, you know, I was 13, 14, I don't want to spend two weeks or something there. So they sent me out to a, this American thing this, uh, called summer camp. I don't know what that was. It's weird. It's basically two weeks, which was a Christian camp out, out in, out in Whoop Whoop um, uh, up there, which was Vancouver Island, which is lovely. And I went on a sailing camp. So, you know, very blessed. Um, and in that space, some of, you, some of you, my youth friends would know this story. Um, I went there. It's, it's a bus ride. It's a ferry. It's another bus. Um, it was all this movement across the other side. And, and I got there, and it was all fine. I was all amped. I had my, my, my rucksack ready to go. And I spent two weeks there, and it was great. It was, it was awesome. We were sailing. We were hear, hearing from the word. It was, a, it was a great time. But who knows, at the end of the camp, you're pretty wrecked, <laughs> right? You've just spent two intense weeks in that space. And, and I was like, oh, man, I'm stuffed. I've got to get on this bus. getting got to get on this ferry. I've to on this other bus to go back to the hotel where my parents were. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I hopped on the bus. And you might not know me, but I spent a long time on buses, particularly in the northern suburbs where I lived earlier. And so I learnt this ability just to sleep on a bus, um, which is, you'd think, a very helpful skill. um, But probably not uh, when you're really tired after a camp and you're in a strange land and you didn't set, you know, I didn't have my phone on with a timer or anything like that. Um, And I fell asleep on the bus. Um, and then I woke up and I was not at the ferry to stop. I was a long way away from the ferry stop. I was at the bus depot on Vancouver Island, um, which is a good couple of k's away. Um, and the, the bus driver uh, pulled me off the bus and he's like, um, I don't know what, where you're meant to be getting off, but this is, you know, this is the last stop. It's kind of the end of the road. I'm, I'm out. See you. Uh, <laughs> and he just left me there. Um, and all this time, I'm just like, "Why This guy's abandoned me. I'm at the end of my camp. I was, I was freaking out. I was in tears, just crying, bawling my eyes out. And I remember standing on this, this like little hovel, which had a map, thankfully, because I didn't have a map. I wasn't that organized, um, of, of, of the island. So I could figure out where I was and where I needed to go. And I was like, oh, man, I'm just going to have to walk. And so I started off, and I, and I walked. And a couple of hours later... I arrived at the ferry station <laughs> and got my ticket out. It was for, wrong, it was for the wrong ferry. I <laughs> went up to the space and they were like, "Oh, we'll just chuck you on." And they put me on the last ferry of the day, um, which is getting across from Vancouver Island to Vancouver, where I was then going to proceed to catch another bus to go back. Um, so I was on the ferry and then I noticed that I was just sitting there. I knew some of the people from the camp were there, and I was like chatting with them, saying hi. I was fine. I was, I was At that stage, I was like, I'm going home, it's all good. But I noticed the staff were all freaking out, and there was lots of people like running around. And I was like, oh, what are they doing that for? <laughs> and then over the loudspeaker, they go, can Trent Ely please come to the captain's quarters? And I was like, oh, am I in trouble? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so I came, and little did I know that my parents were also a bit concerned uh, that their son, who was a Jew many hours before, had not rocked up on the ferry when they or gotten on the bus or arrived back where they were expecting me to be. Um, and so they were on the cusp of calling the police. And they were just wanting to make sure I was on the very last ferry of the day because I don't know how else I was going to get across. I, know, I guess the police could do it. it was, we're at the end of that space. And I know that in that, in that, in that presence, in that story... That I, in my young stage of faith, only probably did a short little prayer. I was probably just going, Oh, God, help me in this. <laughs> kind of moved on. But from my parents' perspective, they knew for hours that something was wrong. They knew that it was completely out of their hands. They couldn't do anything for it. And they recognized that their dependence upon God. And so they were earnestly seeking God in prayer. And they had this calmness and confidence that came from that presence, from that space. They weren't like freaking out. Yeah, they were concerned, but they were like, oh, it'll be all right. What? <laughs> In that space, they were, they were recognizing the sovereignty of God and that he was overseeing that. And do you know what? If they had to call the police, they had to call the police. If they had to figure that out, it would come to that. But it's okay. God is with them. I'm very envious of their confidence. I'm envious, but that stance comes from this place of prayer. And that's what's really evident in the text this morning, that in this earnest place of prayer, we have this confidence despite opposition, despite the consequences of sin, despite the chains that entangle us. There is this confidence in the Spirit that we have, a confidence in our Lord, our God, And I wonder, for me, for us, do we reflect that in our daily walk? Do we reflect that in our our prayers? Are we in there, in step with God? Or are we turning to our own devices? This is where we find ourselves in the text today. As Peter was waiting on one more miracle. One more space for him to go. And this is actually the last miracle written about Peter in our scriptures. It's in a time of great trouble where there's great suffering and grief. There's a famine on the land and there's persecution against the church. Herod has thrown his significant influence as king of the area against the early church and he's going after the leaders, the heads of the church. So James, brother of John, one of the 12 disciples, 12 apostles, who Jesus had called had just been martyred, had just been killed. One of the three this was a significant moment. It's the first apostle, the first disciple to be martyred. We've had uh, Stephen uh, previously in Acts, and so there's this intense moment of persecution and fear and situation on the church. And then, and then, of course, Peter is taken as well. Peter is taken in into Herod's custody, and he's chained. Sometimes when we think of Peter, if you're like me and you read through particularly Mark, but the other Gospels, Peter gets a hard rap, doesn't he? he uh, we sometimes go, oh man, he's done all this stuff. He's been with Jesus and man, he sucks. <laughs> we see him, he's a member of the inner circle, the, the three, along with James who just got martyred here. And he's, you know, seeing all these miracles of Jesus. He's seeing the lame walk. He's seeing the dead being raised to life. And then when it comes to Jesus' moments after all these doubts, he's the first also which proclaims him as the Christ amongst all these other spaces. And he's like, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be that space. He's the one who steps out of the boat. But then when it comes to Jesus' arrest, we remember that he is vicious. He pulls out a sword and like, attempts to kill some of Jesus' captors. He has not understood Jesus' message even then. And then in the confusion of that space, he denies Jesus three times in the court. (laughs) In that space, he is so distressed, so distressed under those trials. But he then witnesses the death of Christ. But when he hears of the resurrection, he runs to the tomb. And he gets there after John, but he walks in first. From then, he recognizes the significance of what have happened, what's happened, and Jesus restores him. He was denied three times. Jesus reinstates him three times. And then since that moment, he becomes a prominent leader in the church. It's these miracles which are worked by the Holy Spirit through Peter. People, people were walking in his shadow, were healed. Masses were filled. He gives great sermons like the one at Pentecost. He also raises people from the dead, just like Jesus. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that these miracles happen, not through his own strength. He recognizes that it's not through him, but it's through God. And so when we meet Peter in these spaces, he's no longer the one who has all these doubts, who's negative in this space, who's not following the way of Jesus. No, he's committed. He understands, and he's walking in that light. And because of that, he's been taken up by Herod, and he is chained. In his mission to share the gospel in a hostile space, he is chained. And not just as a religious person, but as almost a revolutionary. The the, the guards which are placed on him are intense, right? So four times four times four. Uh, It's you know twenty four. There's lots of them there, and they're always like around him. He's chained between. my math wasn't right. Shush. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to the text. That's what's there. Uh, (laughs) And he's chained between two uh, officers at the the whole time. He's stripped of his clothes. Like he's in a really secure space, and so that they didn't defy Passover, that he's kept there for a couple of days he's alone he's isolated in other times we hear of uh, of people being uh, with others in prison but in this moment he is isolated and i want to remind us this is one of the points that we often maybe think about is that sometimes we feel alone in our trials we feel alone when we've been put under pressure but peter was not alone As we have in verse 5, as Peter was kept in prison, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. We are not alone. We have our church, our body, and of course, more importantly, we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus, the whole triune nature of God, there for us. The, 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 The scene is set. We have Peter who feels maybe alone, persecuted in that space. Herod intending to kill him and the church praying in a house. I wonder for us, is that a similar situation? From either side, do we sometimes feel alone in our own struggles? Do we feel like no one understands? Do we feel like, oh, Do you know what? No one just gets it. No one understands what I'm going through. Ah, this battle, it's just for me. It's my personal thing. I'm going to keep it hidden. This is my secret sin. I'm going to tuck that away. Or no one needs to know what these people are doing against me. I'm going to hold on to that. Or are we from the side of the church? Have we heard about other people's battles? People which we know, people which we care about. What do we do about that? What do we do as the church when we hear about this opposition, these these, these severe difficulties which are happening around us, which we'll get to later? What is our response as a church? My hope would be that in both situations, we would turn to God in prayer, we'd open ourselves up to the body of Christ, and we would unite together, with what binds us, the Holy Spirit that is within each of us if we've called Jesus our Lord and Saviour. See, in these situations, Herod could do many, many things to Peter, but he can't stop him from praying. He can't stop the church from praying. So in these spaces, when we feel alone, we are not alone. We have our church with us. And when you see as the church, people suffering, they are not alone they have you, you there to intercede for them. And that is our great hope, is that in that space, we are not alone. The sin that entangles us that we heard before, the chains which hold us down, the difficulties of this world, the evil that's in this space, is not what God has intended. God is intended and has made and forged a path for his victory. God, through Jesus on the cross, has won the battle. And we live in light of that. He has won. We have victory and it's coming. Even though sometimes it's not quite there, we need to remember the hope that we have in Jesus. And in this case, God comes through for Peter in this miraculous way, which doesn't really make sense. (laughs) It's, It's a crazy space for Peter, it's not logical. God leads him, and in that space, Peter is obedient and leads him out. But he only leads him to the gate. Peter still has to make a decision and walk through the door. We need to walk by faith and not by our own power and learn in in that space. One last thing which we would notice is as he rocks up at that space, uh, if you can continue in the text, Rhonda, one of the servants, great name, rocks up and says, "Peter's at the front door. He's here. God has answered our prayers and returns to the meeting." And the meeting's like, "Be quiet. That's his angel." They doubt and they dismiss him. And Paul, uh, Luke, sorry, pardon, Luke highlights this to to signify that even in that space of prayer, the church was was not expectant. Well, the church was saying, ah, this isn't going to happen. We're praying for him and he's probably going to die. But God comes through. In that space, we see James, Jacob, the brother of Jesus mentioned, who takes up leadership of the Jerusalem church. And also John Mark, the one who wrote, writes Mark. This is the John Mark who then goes with Peter on his missional journeys. This is the launching point. This space here for what is to come. In Acts 15 and other places throughout our scripture, which we see, there was a, the reason why God came through in his crazy plan was that things needed to move in God's will. In his sovereignty, he had, uh, he had sight of what was happening. But that brings us to the harsh reality of why Peter and not James? And we don't have easy answers. Why are some saved and not others? And I don't have answers this morning in in, in a way which solves everything up and wraps it in a a tight bow. This world is still broken. There's still sin in this world, and the outworkings of that are evil and destruction and death on humanity and this world. That is, unfortunately, our reality. But God is breaking through. And eventually, in new creation, we know that God will have the victory and there'll be no more tears and we will be with him in eternity. We know that that is our destiny. That is where we are headed. And so we, we can walk with confidence. We can enter with prayer, with confidence, because we know where we're going. This is why Paul says to live is, to, is for Christ and to die is to be with God. That is the reality of the life of Christ. (laughs) That we walk through this space acknowledging the sin and the difficulty and the suffering, the pain that is all around us. But walking in the light of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Interceding for those around us. Walking in the faith, serving those, calling them to Jesus. Because we know that in the end, we will be walking with him in eternity. So we are not alone. The church should be praying, but God is with us. And we need to trust in his sovereignty and in his plan. This is one of those battles of Christianity, of free will versus God's sovereignty. This is a great space for us as the Baptist church. We believe in both of those things at the same time. And sometimes that just doesn't make sense. And that's okay. In that mystery is where we walk. So that leaves us this morning. And there's been lots of stuff happening around us, hasn't there? We think of not just Leona, but the own, our own battles and sufferings here in this church, with us right now. We think of Steve. We think of Sarah. We think of many others which we know of. I don't want to go through an entire list, but I think of Rosemary, which had surgery on her shoulder, and the great things that, uh, that God has done in your life. I think of the witness and the testimony of what God has done through, through many of my friends here. I think of the challenges which face others in our community which aren't with us here this morning, and the battles which they have. I want to say to us this morning, We are not alone. They are not alone. They have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. And we need to turn to God in prayer. Intercessionary prayer is not something that we often do. Sometimes our prayer meetings are maybe less attended than our other spaces. But that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer with three different sections. I'm going to first lead us in a time of prayer for those who are suffering through trials. We're in the midst of the space. We bring forth those which come to mind. I've mentioned some, but I'm sure that there's many. Then I'm going to lead us in a in a time of prayer uh, for our church as a whole. Going, lots of stuff happening, and then I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer of thanks for what God has done, and more importantly, got what God will do. We are safe and secure in His arms but we need to acknowledge that we are dependent on him, not on our own power. For we can't do anything in ourselves. This world often tries to help us forget our dependence on the Lord. It tries to distract us. It says, do you know what? You can do it. You've got technology. You've got so much means. But one of the things since having kids that really like settles within me is just how much that we are just so dependent on God. And how much that we fool ourselves in our individuality that, oh, we can do so many things. And we kind of go, I can do so many things in me who has strength. <laughs> Not the Bible verse, which we like to say, right? <laughs> but that's how we live. The church, our, our lives as Christians are meant to be revolutionary here in this culture. We are meant to stand out differently because we recognize that we cannot do all things in ourselves. But only through Jesus and his will. Only through him. And we know that our eternity is wrapped up in him. So let's pray with confidence for the power that we know resides within us. Let's pray in faith. But recognizing that it's God's will, not ours, that is done, as Jesus says on May his will be done. So I'm going to lead us. Can we kind of in this space? We can move chairs. We can kind of do all different types of things. In small groups of threes and fours. I know there's people which are visiting here this morning, and that might be challenging for us. Let's be a welcoming community, embracing those. And I'll lead us in these three sections of prayer. So let's do that now. Let's get into these small groups.